Hey friends, I'm Stuart Sutherland, co-founder of Heritage Missional Community. We are a growing network of microchurches centered around a coffee house and coffee roasting business in Shasta Lake, California. If you've ever thought there has to be more to this journey of following Jesus, then this is the right place for you. Thanks for joining me in a casual conversation about reclaiming authentic discipleship. Fill up your coffee cup, settle in, and here we go. Hey friends, welcome back. It's been a little bit of a pause since I shared last. It seems like ended on a low note and also just a really incredible encounter with the Lord of how things just seemed rough. Things things seemed really hard and Jesus showed up. He showed up with a promise that it's coming and it left you hanging on that cliffhanger. It's coming. And I thought, what better way to share this part, which in a lot of ways is everything until today, even what we're wrestling with now, but what better way to share all of that than with a special guest? So I am pleased to introduce our first guest and my beautiful bride, Sarah. Hey. Hey. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah has a special gift. Mm-hmm. in our relationship. It's called interrupting you. It's interrupting with more facts that I miss. <laughs> so here it comes. Oh. And that was my computer, now muted. And we're going to go for it. Yeah, so I think a big shift that happened um, in the season when everybody left is we also launched, well, we, that's, you know, the royal we, Hannah, mm-hmm. a superstar on the Heritage team, um, launched the first ever Shasta Lake Farmer's Market. Um, and it just really became a time where it, it connected us to new people. I mean, we make a lot of new friends in the coffee house. That's one of the big things that we love about the coffee house is how it's a bridge to community. Yeah. Um, but in that season, the Farmer's Market really um it created a new way to connect or way to connect with new folks um who maybe aren't coffee shop people but who are farmers market type people um yeah and we did we connected with new people and amazingly these were people that thought what we were doing in Shasta Lake was really awesome and they wanted to know more yeah I remember Stu you shared on the last episode how there was a Sunday we were looking around and there were like six of us I think it was yeah our family and Hannah's family um, which it was two of them and the babies. And then Farmer's Market and some friends showed up. That um, Ben and Sarah became amazing friends. Um, sadly, just had to say goodbye to them. Life moved them along. But um, in that season, it was like totally the Lord that, that brought them. Um, and I think, I don't think it was Farmer's Market, but um, Becca and, and then her later husband, Chris, um, also became part of our community at that time and the lord was bringing them two by two (laughs) something like that there was this big shift from like looking around the room and being alone to like looking around the room and going oh my goodness not just do we have um not just did more people show up but people who are really felt activated and called um and not just gonna i'm gonna show up on a sunday but people who were saying what can i do we believe in in heritage um which, you know, we're still sorting out exactly what it means to do ministry the way that we do, but they were down for the adventure and figuring it out with us and rebuilding with us, which was just incredible. Yeah, and I think just recapping what that transition out of despair, the pit of despair (laughs) looked like, 
I think it was just an incredible time of rebuilding, retooling, um, getting to know new folks who are really excited about the vision of what we were doing and continuing to do. I think Sarah and I even had a really, and you can speak to this mm -hmm. too, Sarah, like just a good time to reevaluate our own leadership, I guess, limitations. Oh yeah. What were the things that we did well and kind of do a little autopsy on like what what went wrong? Like why did why did we why did we experience a really big loss in a team and how do we how do we do better this time around? How do we how do we grow from this experience, not just feel the pain and, and kind of stick in the anguish, but yeah, step I out think, of that. I think I quit like five times. Yeah. Like every day for sure um, for a while there. And it was definitely some like, what the heck happened and what can I do about it? And where is the Lord in this? And I mean, honestly, I'm still sorting through some of that stuff. There's still gaps, but I, I mean, you know, still we've been through a lot of hard things in our life, but that was definitely one where I'm like, I'm still not invincible. I am still very much human yeah. and, and just the reality of needing to lean on the Lord and recognize that, heritage really belongs to the Lord. I think that's another thing is just like surrendering it back to him. Mm. And it felt like every time we surrendered it back to him, it was like that it's coming promise was when you're like, take this Lord. And he's like, it's coming. And you're like, ah, no, sure. <laughs> do I want it to come? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we had really great opportunities to experiment. We, um, really pressed into, uh, discipleship time into some vision casting for how do how do we as leaders basically train and equip release but in that releasing still maintain a support a level of support so how do we kind of get into this multiplication thing how do we empower people to make disciples and that that began with we just met every Sunday night um, with a good teaching, and then we would meet midweek with a group of folks, and we just started to to do a deep dive on yeah, discipleship. I think that's when we started really diving into Mike Breen's shapes yep. um, and the building discipling culture, and which were like things that we had done before, but for some reason they finally made sense with the people that we were, we were running with, or maybe it was just like we knew that we were desperate and we needed to rely on wisdom that was not our own because we were pretty, yeah. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say we, I was some, pretty broken. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and on, on the shapes, I think some of you might know what we're talking about. Uh, Mike Breen would use shapes to um, help basically describe theological truth or maybe even tools that we could use to continue to grow and to develop. So for an example, you'd use a triangle and the triangle, the three points were up in out. So up is defining just our connectedness to the father, to the Lord. And so how important that was kind of reflecting on Jesus going on the mountain to pray. And then as he prayed, then he went off the mountain and gathered his disciples. And so that's the in, the connectedness and community. And then out of that, you know, we get out where they went out and Jesus healed. He, he, he did active ministry. And so that would be the, the, the triangle. And to be honest, I really did not like the shapes. I, I fought against the shapes and, um, you know, with as much as, I didn't like it several years ago. It just seemed like 
and this was about 2019 when we were doing, well, yeah, 2019 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. when we were doing some rebuilding. And it just, like Sarah said, it just made sense. It was like, oh, well, yeah. this is, it felt new. It felt. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was so, what we needed. And yeah. just thinking through that time of like our team that we had been running with for so long, like everybody disappeared. And then all of a sudden we're in this rebuilding phase with people who were excited to build with us. And we had a lot of things that we were, um, that were foundational that we were, um, like for you and me that we were building off of and that we knew that the Lord had called us to. But I think just going back to some of those tools that we had learned earlier, um, and doing it with a new group of people with fresh eyes and fresh perspective, um, I think that's where like discovery Bible study started becoming part of the conversation mm-hmm. and just the par- paradigm of disciple making. Um, it was in that time where we, as a community, I think, I can't remember how many weeks we met for a lot of weeks on Wednesday night and really defined our core values, um, yeah, created a values document. Um, it was also in that time that we were introduced to, um, the Tampa underground and just what they were doing there. I think that was I, for me, that was like, oh my goodness, somebody's actually doing the thing that I've been dreaming about was the closest thing that I've ever seen. Like, this for is sure. what I feel like the Lord has called us to. And um, yeah, there was a lot of like under, like yeah. <laughs> underground, um, but like a lot of foundational, <laughs> like re retooling our foundations and um, and a lot of new like anticipation that the Lord, I think, restored in me, um, maybe in us in that season. Yeah, it just, it really seems like a really, well, really is being used a lot here. It seemed important. It seemed like we needed to better define what we were going after and how we were going to do it. And so tools, we had a lot of inspiration. We learned that we were not alone. And I think for so long when we started Heritage, we really felt a sense of just being outside of the normal paradigm of what church looks like, which meant that when we would celebrate something, it wouldn't necessarily align with celebrating a win with the traditional church. The traditional church would celebrate the win of how many baptisms, how many salvations, how many how many people do you have in attendance on a Sunday? And for us, we were... Which, those aren't bad things in no, themselves. No, but, they're not. But they just aren't the things that make sense for us to count. Yeah, they serve a different model. And our model was how do we, how do we find and engage and can, like, bring the gospel to the group of people that are left outside of the building of the church? How mm-hmm. do we be in the city of Shasta Lake? And, you know, for the people who won't darken the door of a church... How do we invite them into a space? And that's why the coffee house has always made sense. And it felt like we it felt like we were able just to, to to double down on that, but also make it more potent. Like for so long, we were really apologetic or not apologetic, but um, we just kind of like held back. We just yeah. like you know kept the kid gloves on. Yeah, as far as communicating our faith yeah. with other people, it was more of an incarnational. We'll love on you. Yeah. We'll, we'll, you know, take care of your needs. We'll do these things. And, and that was a really great time, I think, in an important role in our community, dealing with people who were in poverty. They were super slow to trust. And so it was like, you're a good thing, and good things don't last here. So obviously, we're just going to wait you out. We're not going to learn your name. We're not going to come into the coffee shop. 
And so being here, you know, at that point, uh, seven or six and a half years, we had broken beyond, broken through that barrier, mm -hmm. I think, of waiting yeah, for us. Yeah, we finally gained enough trust with people yeah. where we could, like, go, and we don't just, I mean, we like you, and we love Jesus, and we want you to know about him instead of just, like, waiting really patiently for that to come out organically. And, you know, I don't know how much of that was the Lord setting us free from a lot of fear that we had or, you know, how much of it really was just timing and building um a reputation in our community that we, we really care. We really, really care about our city. Um, and, and I think, yeah, to, to prove that over the course of time was probably important. Um, and I'm so thankful that we get to really care about our city and share the love of Jesus and not like kind of hold that back because mm. gosh, isn't it crazy? The thing like the best news in the whole world can actually like, for some people, push them away. Yeah. Um, people get nervous about it or, you know, we, people are not projects, but people, I think there's this filter or lens of like, oh, if you're a Christian, then you're going to make me a project. <laughs> and so getting over that and, yeah. you know, relationally in our community for them to know that they aren't a project, that we love them for who they are. And because we love them, we want to share yeah. Jesus with them. Um, and I mean, we get to get over the fear that, you know, I get to be friends with people who are, who are on the outside look very different from me or aren't inside the Christian bubble or um, had a really rough upbringing or smell really bad. I mean, we have a lot of, I mean, for lack of a better word, prejudices. Mm -hmm. And in those, in those prejudices, we assume that we can't be friends with people based on their you know, social status or how they appear or how they smell. And I think even to, to again, just be vulnerable and honest, that was a major lesson to, to go. There are people who are super different than I am, and I, I love them. I actually can be their friend. I actually can. We can talk about things that we have a mutual interest in. And I think just breaking that barrier for us has been super powerful in, in not just having the courage to share our faith, but to have the courage to recognize that we can actually be friends mm -hmm. with people outside of our, our preconceived or, you know, people that feel more and more, more safe. And I think that's even been an encouragement um, for us as leaders to our team and to our community is, yeah, there are going to be people who are way different than we are. But that doesn't exclude them from uh, an opportunity that we could have a shared interest. We could actually still be friends with these people. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that's just been really yeah. super great. So I think we're, like, in the middle of, you know, bring a lot more clarity to our vision, our mission, again, the values and rebuilding team and all of that. And then it's 2020. Um, <laughs> and the whole world kind of turned upside down. What and, the heck? Right? I mean, I remember, you know, everybody's, I'm sure we're going to be sharing forever the story of where was I when, you know, whatever COVID hit, I, that, not that it was a thing, it was coming for a while, but, but where were you when uh, Trump announced that things were getting shut down or that it was like, this is going to affect day-to-day -day life in the United States? And I was in a hammock. Yeah, we were staying at a hotel where we had a coffee account. We're up in Mount Shasta checking out this cute little like adventure hotel. And we get a phone call from our younger daughter who's out on a hike. And she's like, 
mom, I'm with my friend and his dad works at the Pentagon and da 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 and we better go buy groceries. I'm like... <laughs> my response was, kid, if that happens, that will be the biggest overreaction like in history. Yeah, and because I think like four days later, I mean, we were buying groceries and scraping the words. bottom of the you know bulk bins at Winco, buying rice and oatmeal and needlessly, thankfully... And I never hoarded toilet paper. I just bought what we needed, and we never ran out. Praise the Lord. Oh, man. We could always wipe our bums. But we figured we are backpackers. We are resilient. We can figure this out. Yeah. Anyhow. we got a forest behind us. COVID didn't good. just affect our toilet paper supply. Well, it didn't affect All our right, toilet paper supply. All right, we're going to move on from that part of the but, conversation. <laughs> but it really changed, like, the... So organizationally, we were going toward microchurches and and small groups and moving our weekly gathering to a monthly gathering. And man, COVID was just like this beautiful thing where we're like, all of a sudden, everything that we are doing in ministry makes sense for the church, like big picture. Uh, for me, that's what I saw. I'm like, this is it. Lord, this is it. You've been preparing us for this time where the decentralized, the small, the the intimate, authentic places where we can be known and we can yeah. connect with our neighbors and our close friends that's, uh, you know, a, a re- replicating, disciple-making um, movement. Like, th- this is the time for this thing. And I remember being in a Zoom call with some leaders in our denomination at the time and kind of sharing excitedly about what we were doing and how this was going to be great for this time because of COVID. And every, everybody just kind of glazed over a little bit, um, which was fine. They weren't going to change their their paradigms. And I think that was another, like, pretty, for me, um, that's kind of when the reality of where the ugly duckling, like, we just kind of don't fit in with what's going on yeah well we just being small gave us the opportunity to um maintain connection with people and again the context is here we are in northern california where the population density is very low Mm -hmm. and so uh the impact of covid up here was minimal and most of the people more or less rebelled against any kind of um yeah any kind of regulation. So it's the wild west out here, but I don't know. With we the with the big groups, there I was, mean, there we was, were super, super careful. We were, we were. But um, with that said, just to understand the context, we did have opportunities as small groups to gather in the middle of COVID. And I think what we realized in all of that was how positioned we were. It was almost like, for so many years of starting heritage and, and, and not competing with the traditional church, but feeling like we were, you know, so far outside of the paradigm of the traditional church that who would, who would do this crazy thing with us? Mm -hmm. And then COVID hits and all of a sudden it makes sense. Mm -hmm. It was like, Oh Lord, you were, this almost felt like a prophetic act. You know, it was like Noah building the ark and people were like, dude, it's not going to rain. What are, you, what, are you, what are you building a, mo- a boat in the middle of this, you know, dry land for? And I, and I felt like our, you know, all of, the, all of the vision that the Lord had given us in that year of 2020 just started to make more and mm-hmm. more sense. And that, 
that process continued with us, I think, just as we evaluated, um, wow, this really does carry value. People are, are starting to not just get the paradigm, but they're, they're able to experience life in small groups and go, oh, this is a valid way mm-hmm. of being the church. I don't need experts in the room. I don't need anything but the power of the Holy Spirit, God's word, and a group of friends to run with, and, and we're going to be okay. You know, church isn't canceled. Yeah. And so that was powerful and huge. And as we were in the middle of that, um, the Lord started speaking to me. The Lord speaks to me in these really cool ways. Yeah, I'm super jealous. But Sarah seems to know things way before me. <laughs> so obviously I'm the one that needs more help. And so here's a story. Um, I was working on completing my ordination um, with the denomination we were part of, and it was a lengthy process. It took me several years. And um, I got a phone call from the guy in our district who said, hey, it's time to set up your final interview. And I was studying tons for it, and I said, okay, reluctantly. And it, ordination was just one of those things I wrestled with, and it wasn't that I didn't feel worthy. It was just like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's not changing anything for me. And my heart just always would feel heavy around the conversation of ordination. And so after I got off the phone with this guy, um, I just started thinking about it, wrestling with it. And um, the Lord gave me this vision, oh, I don't know, probably a week before that phone call. And it was... There's a, there's a road in, in Redding that overlooks the mountains to the west. And those mountains in 2018 during the car fire, um, all the trees on those mountains burned. And so the Lord took me to that place of that scene of looking, to the, looking at these mountains in the west, looking at the, the burned trees. And in that vision, there was a clear cut that was going up and over the mountain. And so I thought to myself in the vision, oh, there must be some power lines or something going in, you know. And so the Lord takes me away from that place and then brings me back, and it's like some time it had passed. And I look at that clear cut. I look up the clear cut again, and this time there are power lines in the clear cut. But what's interesting is the the power lines are inside the clear cut, two-thirds of the way up the mountain, but the last third of the way up, they deviate into the into the burned trees and then up and over the hill. And I thought to myself, oh, there must be another wisdom. There must be, you know, they must have known that was the better way to go. And I had no idea what that vision meant. All I knew was it was important. And so I get off the phone with a guy at the district talking about ordination. My heart's heavy. I'm getting ready to walk out my front door to, to go to Heritage. And right before I grab the doorknob, the Lord hits me with this, like, I don't know if it was an audible voice. It was just this instant wisdom, like instant insight. And what it was is I knew exactly what that dream meant. That dream meant I, I could say yes and complete my ordination or I could go into the woods. And the Lord was inviting me another way with other wisdom. And that's the way the power, you know, the power is going to go that way. It wasn't going to go into the in um, the way the clear cut was set. And you guys just missed on a big part of that story with all the hand motions going up. And oh, around. there were lots of you hand motions. So missing out. I know. the, the <laughs> I can't even great. describe them. So yeah, I love it. <laughs> at least I'm not hitting stuff. So, you, you know, making the microphone pop. But 
it was, yeah, it was just so intense. And here we are in the middle of COVID. I was saying this thing um, just in in my teachings that I don't, is double negative, but I don't want to go through this unchanged. I want COVID to carry, you know, it's a pain. There's going to be loss mm-hmm. and it's, it's a terrible thing, but let's not go through it unchanged. Let's, let's see what yeah. God's going to do in the middle God's of it. God's going to redeem it. And he did. And so that for us, for Sarah and I, we knew as soon as it was time to go to transition out of the organization we were so, with. So that's what the clarity is. Yeah. I interrupted your train of thought with talking about your hand motions on your, yeah, no, your, that's good. End of your vision. But that's the, after you, the Lord showed you that there was a different wisdom at play, that the power lines weren't going on the obvious path. Yeah. It was really clear, like, wait, the ordination, what seemed like the obvious path, um, actually wasn't what the Lord was inviting you or us into. Yeah. And that's where, um, I mean, gosh, I think it was a really quick time from then. It was like, well, if this isn't what the Lord has for us, we knew where we were going. Yep. Um, um, great friends, mentors, just spiritual parents that we love and look up to, Bill and Jill Randall. Um, thanks, Stu, you've talked about Bill a little bit oh. in the podcast. And just the they were so pivotal in redirecting our missionary call um, from overseas to Shasta Lake. The Lord really used them instrumentally in that. Um, and then felt like they got snatched away too soon um, in in the early, like once we launched Heritage and building it out. Yeah. But we were always so connected with them. And a lot of the stuff, I think the tools we were talking about, like after our team left the end of 2018 and we're in that rebuilding phase, a lot of those tools are things we would reach out to Bill and Jill and just be like, hey guys, you know, what do you think or what, what should we do? And to lean on them for resources. So yeah. when it was like, man, we're not, we're not going over the, the clear cut. We're not going the path of uh, denominational ordination. And um, again, my, my ugly duckling analogy, not that whatever, it's just an analogy. It's a good uh, one. But it, it makes sense. It was like, we were always, we always felt really like we don't quite fit. We kind of look the same and we are kind of not at all the same. And yeah. then, all of a sudden, it was just like we joined Novo. We connected with Bill and Jill, and it was like, oh my goodness, these these are our people. And what was amazing um, in that transition to Novo, it wasn't that we just got to run with the leaders that we leaned into a lot, um, but we met we've met so many people that are they just see things similarly to how we do, like the call on mm-hmm. the lives of the people that are part of the, the Novo Tribe pioneering initiatives that we run with is so similar. Like, and that's the Lord, right? Like yeah. when he, he, when he's doing something, he does the same thing um, across m- multiple people in multiple places. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's another like evidence of the Lord. If you're, you're doing something and you feel like a little bit odd and you start poking around and you, if it's the Lord, there inevitably there's a, a dozen other folks um, that are doing the same sort of thing that have that same sort of call of, you know, and so for us, it's been that disciple making yep. micro churches, things that multiply, very transferable. Um, yeah. yeah, sorry, I'm rambling. No, now. the beautiful thing is, though, our transition to Novo was like coming home. Yeah. It was yeah. joining a group of people that we we knew Bill and Jill, but we didn't know 
at what level of uh, people, of like-minded, like-called yeah. people that we were going to be joining. And that's really what this last year was about for us, was discovering that we were running, we got to run with a group of people where we t- we, we just fit so well. Mm-hmm. And they were ahead of us, which is a huge longing of our hearts was like, how, you know, yeah, we're pioneering some things, but there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. There's obviously somebody who's, who's done something similar to what we've done. Mm-hmm. And we've just connected with so many people in Novo who have, who have language, who have training. And um, it's just been really incredible mm-hmm. to have fresh vision. Um, we've had an opportunity to visit some friends in Colorado and see what they are up to. And it's it's so inspiring to see this multiplying network of microchurches, mm-hmm. of Discovery Bible studies, of new new followers of Jesus. And it's organic, it's beautiful, it's powerful, and it's what we've been pursuing since we started. Mm-hmm. But to see that somebody's already doing it yeah. is like... Okay. Yeah, because it felt yeah. like forever we were just like, we know this is the thing. Like we kind of had this vague vision of where we were going, but as far as like how do we get there? And yeah, to to be able to walk with some people who have tried a few things and you know come up short and then found the pathways through. Um, and obviously every context is different. And so, I mean, today we're writing out stuff and like drawing out pictures of how does this work with a coffee shop and missional communities and microchurch or microchurch is not missional community. Sorry. We've yeah. used so many different language or like <laughs> iterations of these words over the years. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's just really been, yeah. Like you said, Stu, like coming home. Um, yeah. Well, really the, the details of, of where we are right now are, are things mm-hmm. that we just want to continue to unpack on this podcast and share with you through stories, um, stories in our community. And, um, I'm so excited for yeah, some of these stories, like are, the, the discovery Bible study stories that we get to share with you guys and the other friends powerful. that we're going to bring in to just share their testimonies. I mean, we could share the story, like we could retell the stories. It's going to be so much, it's going to be so good for you guys yeah. to hear. For, um, yeah. From the folks that their lives are being transformed. Yeah. And before we make that jump and that's going to be our second season, we have one more episode for this season and that episode is going to be the whole Sutherland family. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we got asked by somebody in our community, what was it like uh, for your family? Yeah, what was they're hearing Stu tell all these stories. And <laughs> this young woman comes up and she's like, but what about Sarah and the girls? Like, were they on board? And we're yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's important to talk about. So. Such an awesome question. <laughs> and we want to just spend some time in, the, in our final episode for the season with all four of us mm-hmm. and just being able to answer some questions of, you know, what was it like? Um, were you bought in, you yeah. know, as, as daughters of these two crazy adult parents, you know, mm-hmm. what, what was it like? And so, um, I, you know, I have no idea what the girls are going to say, but I mean, we've talked to them a little bit and we know, <laughs> but we'll, we'll not spoil what they get to say to you. And I, I will say now, and I'll probably say it again next time, everything that Stu has shared, like I've, we've been there, we're a team. Um, 
and it's been fun. I've been listening to the podcast. I'm probably like one of five people at this point that are listening <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> I've been listening and going and just feeling encouraged and, and remembering those places. And um, I'll just say, you know, now for me, like I've been in 100% the whole time um, in spite of wanting to quit a lot. Um, it's always been like, um, whatever the Lord is doing, that's where I want to be. And it's been amazing to be able to do it together, um, to be married and work together in business and, and then pursue the Lord in ministry together. Um, really challenging and really beautiful. Yeah. So as we look back, um, on just the history from where we started until now, do you have any words of wisdom you'd impart? Oh my goodness. Well, you know, the book you're going to write someday. I'll just share your words of wisdom. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. That is Stuart's book, you guys. Yeah, it's it's really a book of tenacity. Of yeah, you know, it's the it's the it's the story of the wise man building your house on the rock, Mm -hmm. right? You know, the wind comes or the rain and the wind comes. The 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 waters rise. I mean, you can expect hard things. Yeah. But when it's built on a foundation of Jesus, when you're like, Jesus, you called me to this and this right now hurts and it doesn't, it's not fun. I don't want to do it. I really feel like the tenacity didn't come from our own strength. Yeah, no. It really came from a a deep well of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I'm super thankful that we got to lean on each other in that. I think, you know, just like with everything, we want to lean on the Lord, but the value of community um, and finding community and our friendship and our marriage and um, the people that the Lord has brought around us and to not be alone. Um, even when the, it got really hard and we felt alone, um, to recognize how the Lord speaks to us through his word, um, through visions, if you're Stuart. And <laughs> or others. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, and how he speaks to us through one another. Yeah. And that really is, that's being the church, is being the body is when we're leaning into each other um, and and encouraging each other to to stick to what the Lord has called us to and to not let the wind and the waves and the storms beat yeah. us down and to steal what the Lord has for us. Yeah. Well, it's been fun. And I'm sure we're going to get a lot of comments on how much better this podcast is because Sarah's on it. So I'm it's just... It's just more fun to do it is more together. Fun. It's way easier. So thanks, you guys, for listening. And again, I just want to encourage you to continue to listen and next week, we will be having the family. Fam in. jam. Yep, fam jam. So thanks again <laughs> for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for joining in today, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment if you enjoyed this episode. You can check out our ministry at heritagecoffeehouse.org. And remember, we all play a vital role in God's plan for redemption. So what's the Father saying to you, and what are you going to do about it?